Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's great conversation is with Curly Saunders. The Final Draft Great Conversations podcast, it's all about books, writing, and literary culture. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER, which is based in Sydney. Final Draft is dedicated to exploring Australian writing, from debut authors to household names. Every week we look into the issues that drive our storytelling and help you discover more from the books you love. These are the stories that make us who we are. To SEO broadcast from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gundagara people. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of those lands and pay my respects to their ongoing connection to those lands. This is stolen land and treaty was never made in Australia. Curly Saunders is a Gunai woman. She writes plays, poetry and children's books. Her picture book, The Incredible Freedom Machines, was shortlisted for the Prime Minister's Literary Awards. Her poetry collection, Kindred, well, it's currently shortlisted for the Victorian Premier's Literary Awards. Really excited to find out how it goes there. Today, Curly is joining us with her verse novel for younger readers, Bindi. Bindi is 11 years old. She loves art and hockey, even if her team never wins. It's a new school year, and Bindi is looking forward to new teachers and seeing her friends. But this year, the town is in drought, and the biggest bushfire Bindi's dad has ever seen is bearing down on the town. Join me as we discover Curly Saunders, Bindi. Good morning, this is Curly. With Deo Curly, it's Andrew Popel calling from 2SER. With Deo, hello, so nice to be with you. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, look, it is an absolute pleasure and... I'm sorry I'm calling a few minutes late, but I, I feel like it might have worked out really well because I am calling you on the correct number. <laughs> you definitely are. We're, um, we're on the road headed down towards Bunwarang country today, so currently on Newman country, which is really lovely. Thank you so much. I've just really thoroughly, we're going to be talking about Bindi today, um, but I've really been thoroughly enjoying over the last week or so reading both Bindi and Kindred, and huge congratulations on um the Victorian Premier's Literary Award shortlisting for Kindred. Thank you so much. Yeah, a total shock. And I mean, the other writers in that category are all writers I really admire and, you know, books that I love and adore. So it's always nice to be recognised alongside, you know, mobs who, who are adding to that incredible black literary sphere that's expanded so widely this year, especially, I think. Um, and yeah, to continue storytelling for all time. It feels really special to be included in that lineup. I want to start off with the award that has been oh. so much a part of Bindi's journey to publication. It's been, yeah, I mean, it was such a surprise and delight to win the Daisy Demora Award. And um, to my knowledge, the award's open at the moment, so please go and apply. Um, I did this Taylor Reid one last year and um, yeah, an incredible opportunity for black writers with unpublished manuscripts to be supported financially to have the time to create. And really that's what, what this award allowed me, you know, the opportunity to spend some time creating alongside Grace, Grace Lucas Pennington to um, edit the work and to shape Bindi into this first novel. So, yeah, it, it was a beautiful um, opportunity yeah, and, and- to really sink my teeth into creating something. And this award comes from Magabala Books, who are just such an incredible publishing house. Now, I feel like I feel like a lot of listeners would be aware that there are some incredible stories out there for adults 
from First Nations riders. I mean, it's it's now two years running. Got to go for maybe a hat trick this year with the Miles Franklin. Melissa Lukashenko won it. Tara June Winch won it. Books for kids. These mm. are these are the children who are growing up now. What does it mean to you to have that platform and that ability to share with younger readers? Uh, it, um, I think it's the opportunity to be able to write the things that I wish I had when I was a little person. You know, there were these beautiful books that had the gold round stickers on them that you would pick up off the shelves and you knew when you picked them up that they weren't necessarily written by a black writer and that they were telling other perspectives which were just as important being raised in this walking in two worlds. But um, I didn't see myself or my family in those stories. And writing Bindi or being involved in, you know, black publishing has meant that I've been able to open myself up to all of these incredible books that have been written by, you know, First Nations writers across Australia and beyond and to share our stories and share stories relevant to young First Nations people growing up across the continent. So Bindi, Bindi is an 11-year-old girl. She's grown up, she's living a life, going to school, playing hockey. She lives on Gundungurra country. And there's so much that happens in this book that is just going to resonate for anyone who's ever been young, ever went to school. But I want to start with you open the book with this dedication for those who plant trees. And Bindi Mm. shares a story with her mum that tells from a time when she was safe and grounded in her community who cared for country, taking only what they need. And throughout the book, Bindi cares for the she-oaks as they're the only food source for the girl. Everything's connected, and you show that through these connections that Bindi makes with her community and the land. But I wonder, do we understand that well enough? Do we understand that connection? Mm, I I mean, I think we're beginning to, like 60,000 years of caring for country, First Nations people have that deep inextricable connection to the landscape when we understand that oneness with all spirits and all things. And right now, as you say, you know, she I'm sitting beneath them and um, I'm sitting at the moment near Wallaga Lake, which is on Ewan country where my mum was born. Um, and it's so special to be having this interview right here. I think there there is so, in, so many more chances for us now to be able to sink our teeth into um, First Nations cultural content through education and reading and podcasts and, you know, all sorts of TV. There's every kind of media we're able to access more and more information in culturally safe ways um, and to spend that time learning about country. So I'm hoping that, you know, the more that our young people have that opportunity to read books and stories that include that language and cultural knowledge um, and the more that adults around us are encouraging those kinds of conversations and then there will be, you know, that greater, deeper understanding that, of the dreaming that we are, you know, born with the earth, we live to care and protect for her when we pass, we pass over and um, we return to her and um, that while we're here we have a duty to, to take care of her and that we do that by sharing our gifts with community and for Bindi it's through, you know, her art, she loves making art and telling stories about the earth and learning from her old people and planting these shirks, the food for the garrel, the black of the mm. And I think... Sorry, Curly. I just there had this thought that I, I mean it's probably really important for me to acknowledge. So I'm I'm talking to you. I'm on Darragon Gundungara country. I'm up in um, Blackheath in the Blue Mountains, um, but I'm 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 a white guy, and my reading is going to be influenced by that that sort of cultural lens and and my understanding as much as I might 
want to try and deepen that understanding. And so, you know, I'm, I, I'm so appreciative of you kind of meeting me halfway because a lot of my questions are written from that perspective and I want to I want to try and and be respectful of you you are also writing to so many people um and especially young readers who who are going to be coming and trying to understand this book with different eyes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of it's <laughs> kind of the scope as a black writer in Australia, you know, we're we're writing for well, predominantly, I want to write for, for my nieces, my nephews, you know, my kids, the future of First Nations Australia when I'm writing these stories. But I also want to welcome people into um, First Nations perspective through the written word. And um, for me, that's always been poetry and art. And Bindi is this intersection of those things. So, yeah, I've, I've made, made peace with the constant educating that comes um, as a writer. I think that's part of my dreaming too, you know, I trained as a teacher, so it's always a gift to be able to share lessons in books. Um, but predominantly it's that I just want to express all these connections through poetry and um, if they teach people along the way, well, I feel really lucky that I get to do that. Um, and Andrew, also I, I give so much thanks, like Deidre, you got only in here for your acknowledgement of privilege too, um, you know, for the ability to say, hey, I, I know or I don't know, but I want to try. Mm. That's something that I'm seeing more and more in our communities really broadly. And I know, you know, we've recently had, you know, last week, Survival Day or Invasion Day or, um, you know, people have stepped away from that, that, that term, Australia Day. And I think that's a real um, honouring of where we're moving as a collective across the continent towards a greater care for all communities and all people um, through even just days like, like that day with less and less people showing up to colonial events. I um I don't want to take this conversation too far away from Bindi, but I I, I just thought of I want to I want to sort of drop in there that I think for so many people looking at that day and and I think some people are genuinely confused in their ignorance about what's happening with that day and and all I can suggest is that reading is such if you're if you're a white person and, and you're not sure or you're confused reading and so many incredible like get get a copy of Bindi and read it yourself read it with your kids um, get a copy of Kui Mitagar and read it with your little ones get a copy of The Yield um, I mean that's what I did I did a lot of that I read Bindi I was reading Bindi on the 26th on the public holiday and there's not yes. many, yeah not many better ways to not many better ways to spend that day i was also reading kindred what an incredible collection um i am i am dying to dive in to the narrative of bindi um yes. now across three parts the story arc of bindi it involves your titular character her family and her friends going through the largest fire their town has ever seen and Carolia, was it really only a year ago that we were, I guess, collectively trying to understand the impact of the fires that the whole country were engulfed in? It, like it feel, it feels like there's barely been a moment to understand that process because we jumped straight into COVID. Now, in your story, Bindi she rescues a baby uh, girl from the fire, which is a, a black cockatoo. She nurses it to health and then with a heavy heart, she helps it back to its flock. What sense did you want to make? Did you want to try and make sense of the fires through Bindi's story and through Bindi's responses? Absolutely. I think 
you know, I remember being a kid growing up on Gunungara country, and I'm not sure how long you've been at that intersection between Gunungara and Darug in the mountains there, but I'm sure you know what that feeling of impending doom with fire is. Um, and as a kid, I remember growing up and feeling so scared of bushfires and feeling really afraid that, you know, they might come and steal our home and, um, and our way of life in those places. And more and more that I've been teaching language through Red Room Poetry and the Poetry and First Languages Project, I've met lots of fire practitioners, particularly around the UN country and the South Coast. And they began to change my awareness of what firekeeping is and how fire cares for country and um, the ways that we need to be more in tune with country if we're going to protect it. So I think there was that feeling for me of wanting to unpack the trauma that children experience around bushfires to acknowledge the realness of fear in those moments when, you know, a fire is coming, but to also open children up to the possibility of there being this other realm where we, you know, where, we, where we're one with the earth and we look at fire as a healer and a medicine and a carer um, and we make some kind of, you know, compassionate connection between us and all living things for these black cockatoos who um, the glossy black cockatoo is threatened up on Gunagara country and, um, you know, a lot of the nesting area was wiped out by fires. So I wanted to draw together those multiple elements in poetry and verse to try and, yeah, make young people feel empowered by the possibilities of what come out of these environmental, um, yeah, these environmental hardships and things like fires, which are terrifying when you're a little person. And just to acknowledge that hardship for so the, the young ones up and down the coast, you know, my mum's country, the so UN country, the country I was born on, Gunungara, and my grandmother's country, Zanai country, were all lit up in those fires during that time. I just, I, I just want to make a note. Just there's a walk near where I live, and I was on it um, about a month ago, and I came across first, first one, then two, and then about thirty um, black cockatoos. Girls um, and they were just they were just all in the trees and they were they were just everywhere and I just could have just sat there all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. was, oh, you're giving me goosebumps! But they're such special spirit birds, aren't they? And I mean, there's lots of different dreaming stories and one that I reference in the book of you know the black cockatoo singing in the rain and speaking of the fire. That story is a um, a Barrowall, a Ewan story from around the Shoalhaven River and. It was shared to me by um, Adrian Webster, Jacob Morris, and Joel Deeds. So shout out to those brothers for their generosity and sharing that story with their family. Um, but I think that notion of the birds being an indicator of something going on in our world and a messenger is such a precious thing that we're not always, you know, attuned with. But when you see them in a flock of two or five or thirty, you just you know, engulfed in their magic. I know I always am, and um, and I encourage people to to be in in armed with that that glory that is the butcher and that messenger bird, and not just black cockatoos, but all of them. And then to look at all animals and plants and think of them in the same way, like wow, what message does this um, creature have for us, or what connection does this creature have with the other living things and the other what other relationships does it have with the you know the cycles, the seasons around us? What can we learn from them? Mm. How can we be more attuned to them? Mm. It's yeah, it, it's just so incredible being here and and learning so much 
about that. And I'm, I, I'm constantly reminding myself, let's not take this too far away from your incredible book. And, <laughs> and, and let's see if we can connect the two. Cause there is, um, in the third section of the book, uh, there's a poem backburning where Bindi witnesses this emerging understanding from her, her community, like the, the town where she lives, that traditional fire practices can help prevent these catastrophic fires in the future. And I remember, um, I remember, you know, probably around this time about a year ago, there were news articles and discussions that mirrored what you write about in this poem around people talking about um, traditional um, traditional fire practices, but then also discussions that have been going on for longer around the contribution of um, First Nations cosmologies and and different science beliefs that I guess to you know if you if you grew up and you went to our colonial through our colonial school system you don't recognize them as science in the way that you were taught but they still have so much to teach us it's hard to read exactly how Bindi feels about this in the poem but and across the book but I did get this sense that she greeted it with hope that she could see how this emerging conversation and the way these people were engaging she was hopeful about that. Can you tell me a little bit about this poem and also, I guess, your experience of these discussions? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Bindi is in so many ways me growing up and, and me now and also the me that I, I wish I was when I was a kid. I wish I had those great opportunities to learn this stuff as a little person. Um, and I, I do still hope, deep hope, that there's um, a beautiful mixing pot, a mixing place where, you know, traditional wisdom can come together with um, new ways of caring for country and that there's, um, you know, synergy in the way that we can move forward to take care of the earth. And um, I wanted to catch that because, yeah, I grew up in a colonial education system and I didn't have the opportunity to learn about those things. But I think more and more now our young people are having those chances to have those discussions and if we can include it in books and you know they get laced in the curriculum then those things become part of decolonizing the education system and then our children are having opportunities to learn about these other ways of, of taking care of the earth so yeah I think there's hope for in Bindi um, I think there's hope for all of us in the ways that we could do more reading and listening and learning together and does language play a role in that we've, we've touched on um that throughout Bindi, uh, Gundangara is is a language that is as present as English. You include mm-hmm. an incredible word list um, and you give thanks to Arnie Velma Mulcahy and Arnie Trish Levitt for their teaching of you and your, your passing on that learning to us. And I know that this is becoming more a part of the early childhood sector and, and for children. We've talked about, oh, sorry, the... Australia Post have started to open up opportunities for people to put what country they live on as part of the address system. Is is language a part of that? Oh, absolutely. I think um, someone explained this to me. My, my sister's name is Pip, um, and people have often called me Pip by mistake, and I never answer them because it's not my name. Um, and someone explained to me that if you want the earth to empty, you've got to call it by the right name, and the right name for that. Um, you know, that patch of earth or that tree there depends on the language that you're on. So there's this inextricable relationship between language and landscape. And I think if we want to know the land, then knowing the language is really helpful for being able to communicate with the land and communicate about the land. Um, and, yeah, it was 
such a joy to learn Gunungara language from my auntie Velma Mulcahy, especially who's been such a pivotal role model in the Gunungara community around the Southern Highlands and be um, quite a senior elder there. Um, and yeah, I'm so special to be able to include language and the acknowledgement of, you know, Annie Val's teaching and Trisha's teaching and to be able to continue our language with, you know, something as, as simple as including words in a book, um, but, you know, with the awareness that if we want to teach language, then we've got to get community into classrooms and into schools and have those continued yarns so that our children really get the shape of that word in their mouth and the feeling of that word in their heart. I feel like I'd be remiss if um, if I let this conversation go without noting that Bindi is beautifully illustrated by Dub Leffler. And these illustrations, they're kind of, they're stylized. They seem like, I'm not sure what medium they're, they're done in, but they kind of seem like charcoal snatches yeah, of, yeah. of moments in the text, which, which seem mm-hmm. to particularly connect with the idea of, of fire. They also seem to be hinting at more and inviting the reader to kind of draw out the visuals of the story in their mind. What what was that process of collaboration like, and and what did Dub's work bring to your words? Oh, Dub is a magician. <laughs> I just adore his work so much, and I have done for quite a long time. You know, if you don't know Dub Leffler's books, Google him. Go and buy every one of them. His work is remarkable. Um, yeah, so Dub and I have, have been um, book friends, I suppose, for a while now. Uh, we met each other when sort of our early works were both coming out in the world at, a, at one of the one of the writers' festivals and sat down and had a good yarn. And then when the opportunity came up for to share this, you know, this story with illustration, I said, "Oh, please, Dub, I I love Dub's work. Let's get him." So we just had a brief yarn about the book, and then um, he's very intuitive. This is the second time I've worked with Dub. He's also working on Our Dreaming, a book that comes out with Scholastic in coming year. And um, he has this knack for filling into the the text that I share, but also the spirit of the text and drawing in all of these wonderful totems or these metaphorical illusions that, um, yeah, add so much to the text. So it was lots of kind of brief back and forth messages and yarns and then a lot of filling into things and, yeah, post comments. So he's, He's brilliant. I love what he's done with, you know, the three sections, seedlings, cinders and sprouts and how the visual depiction of those elements encourages the reader to think more deeply onto those cycles of change and um, what they could look like in life here and the relationship that we have with the earth in this book and then beyond. I just want to, I just want to also mention looking through like I couldn't help but flick at the pictures as you're talking about them and I'd only just noticed because I'd, I'd read sort of cover to cover but pulling them open seedling cinders and sprouts are, are this beautiful the cover page for each section create this beautiful triptych of mm-hmm. of the, the the branch and now I now I'm going to go look up Dub and see if it's I, I feel like it's the sort of thing <laughs> I would want to buy and, and hang as a triptych on the wall mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm obviously I've got it in this incredible book, which, I mean, it's the sort of thing when I was a kid, I would have been so happy and proud of, of owning a book like this. It's this beautiful hardcover with the incredible illustrations. There's a lot of book love going here for this as a, <laughs> as an object, as well as a, a work of, as a work of art. Um, yeah, this is real, I, um, like an artifact, the object thing is so, <laughs> it's so right, you know, as an artist, I really enjoy creating things that also feel like art. You know, books have their own realm in my world, but I just I adore them, 
and then to create art as well feels like a really beautiful thing, something more tangible. And I think Magabal has done a wonderful job of making this feel so tangible. Thank you for noticing. No, it's, it, it is such an incredible book. And there are so many things we could keep talking about. I've got my copy of Kindred here as well. And I mean, this is a book to be celebrated. And I mean, look, all the best for when the, the Victorian Premier's Literary Awards get announced. Maybe I'll be calling you up again and we can, <laughs> we can have a chat about that. But before I let you go, I want to I wanna just check. I think I read this right on your website. You have eight new titles coming up. Like that's, that's an incredible workload. Like, you know, so many people <laughs> have been binging Tiger King over the last 12 months. Ooh, yeah, I, um, it's, it's been such a big few years. I stepped away from um, full-time working to freelancing in the last year and um, it, it's opened up this more space to be able to create, but also um, it, it's opened up other realms of creation for me. You know, there's plays in there as well as books and um, I'm really loving being able to move in and out of them, but I'm sure any freelancer, any artist will tell you that um, writing and creating kind of happens in its own time. And you can't really rush it. So at the moment, writing looks like sitting under the sea oak in the rain on Warriga Lake and having a yarn with you. And uh, in the next few days, hopefully, it might turn into, you know, a jam with a friend or a poem or something that we bake together. Um, creating takes so many shapes and sometimes they're books and sometimes it's just living. Oh, yeah. I, wish you, I wish you all the best for that, Thank clearly. You. I am speaking with Curly Saunders about her incredible verse novel, Bindi, with illustrations by Dub Leffler. Curly has such an amazing website, like visually stunning. It's a way to discover her work and hear her voice. Um, she's appeared on other podcasts and she will be appearing on the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast as well as on the show. Um, so check out curlysaunders.com and it's like it's, it's just a stunning website. It's so visually beautiful. I, I thought I've got to, got to put people onto that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank it's, you. Um, it's been a real pleasure yarning with you. Um, there's one word that I love in the book and beyond is Naganagula. It's a Ganagaya word, which means to walk and work together. So, Sijirigura for Naganagula with me. Thank you for walking and working with me over the phone today um, and across the land. It's been a real joy. Gujirigura, Curly. Take care. Andrew Popel here from the Great Conversations podcast. That is where my interview with Curly Saunders ended. We were discussing her new verse novel, Bindi. But as so often happens, the conversation begins before the interview proper and continues on after. And I wanted to share just a little bit of our pre-conversation where we were talking about the Gangara language and the importance of publishing and publishing houses like Magabala in the way that they are supporting and publishing in First Nations languages. So here's a little bit more of my conversation with Curly Saunders. Look, I I do want to I do actually want to talk about um, the way uh, Bindi is interspersed with Gundangara language, and yeah. so I have included that in the interview. Um, one oh. one question that's probably a little bit more pointed, but others where I'm probably just going to use words. Um, if I okay. if if I mispronounce them, just just say hey Andrew. Sorry, that's wrong. Um, okay. Because, yeah, like I said, phonetic brain, and I love that you actually have a, a phonetic um, translation in the back in your dictionary, mm, which is just beautiful. Yeah, but it felt so necessary. Um, I think, you know, I feel really – I wasn't raised with language. I had to go and 
you know, work really hard to learn it. And I spent a lot of time listening to different community members and through the Poetry and First Languages Project, learning lots of languages across 12 different communities and three different states. And um, it's really important to me that our young people have access to language, mm. but also that language is shared in culturally safe and respectful ways. So that's why there is, a, you know, support in pronouncing the words the correct way, but there's also that acknowledgement of the teachers who gave them that language on the same page. I, yeah. I, I mean... There are so many incredible books too that are helping to share, and I always, I always come back to, and I'm conscious that this is this is a question that I, I think I probably overuse, so I'm just going to mention it rather than put it in the interview. I'm I'm conscious of the fact that as a young person growing up, I was, and I'm I'm a white guy, I'm a cisgendered white guy. I was taught that I you know, lived in a country that had one language. Um, and mm. I couldn't even tell you how old I was before I learned that there were hundreds of languages. Um, I know I was older than that when I learned that many of those languages were being lost. And so now when I see books like um, Tara's, uh, Tara June Winch's The Yield um, oh, or books. so beautiful. Or even um, uh, Kui Mitagar, which, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I read that when I, when that came out, I read that with my nephew before, um, we did, I did an interview, um, with Jasmine and it was just great. Like we were talking, we, we were finding all the things and talking about the different words and it's just, yeah, it's, that, that opportunity I don't think can be understated and I don't want to, I don't want to make this too much about my perspective as a white person, but I, I, I love that that opportunity is out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and more and more available. And I think, um, like, I love watching Magobala publish in that space. Kui Mitigar is such an incredibly accessible, beautiful book. And so deserving of all the accolades that it's been receiving. And um, Tara Jamie's is the yield the same. You know, there is this intersection of um, that deep old time storytelling with beautiful language and cultural wisdom that's kind of just seamlessly put together. And it's such a joy to pick up and to see in our mainstream literature um, and not something that's othered or outside of our realm of accessibility. Thanks for joining me today on Great Conversations. Today we were talking with Curly Saunders. Curly's new verse novel is Bindi and it's out now through Magabala Books. Great Conversations is recorded on the lands of the Darug and Gundungurra people and it broadcasts from the lands of the Gadigal people, which is 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. If you want to keep up with the latest in books, writing and literary culture, well, give us a follow. You'll get a new episode every week. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. If you're enjoying it, look, you can give us a rating, but I'd just love if you told a friend. Share the reading. Start a book club. Talk about the books you love and hear from the authors that make them. I'm Andrew Popel. I'm going to be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. And as always, I hope the week ahead brings you lots of happy reading. Bye now.